The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Join the SRF resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. Lethal Vendetta. Hailing from Sydney, Australia, this band comes armed with the ultimate artillery, a precise and highly effective blend of thrash, groove, and traditional metal which pays homage to the great metal titans that have come before them. Check out lethalvendetta.bigcartel.com and download their music on all digital media outlets. October 16th, 2019, and you are tuned into HTM Sports here at the HTM Podcast Network and online at hackerhameen.podbean.com, Hameen Media. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the voice, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that art of the beat of the beat. Rick Victory back again. Hashtag HTM Sports. And here we go. So much, uh, so much going on. So much excitement in the world of sports. But we're going to start exactly where we started last week, and that is in the country, the Red Army, the country of China. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, the the Forum Blue Army decided to open their mouths and insert their foots yesterday. Rick, LeBron James made a comment on this China situation yesterday. And uh, it was not the right comment. It was not the right comment for the NBA. It was not the right comment for China. And it was not the right comment for LeBron fans, evidently. It seems as though LeBron has found a way to unify everybody inside of this divided country because we all hate LeBron James this morning. Nobody is very happy with LeBron James. Uh, LeBron James coming out and basically saying, you know, there's a lot of money on the line here, so we, we really need to be more socially aware. We need to be aware of what we're saying on Twitter because we never know what kind of business deals we might screw up. Oh, oh, the hypocrisy that is beginning to, to show its face here. Individuals are, are now seeing what the king is all about. And oh, uh, wasn't there a duo uh, maybe about this time last week who, who actually called them out? Calling out some of these superstars on this, and, and we point it to the fact that in the NBA, yes, it is a it is star driven because we are we are so familiar with those big names. You know, we, we can see their faces. You know, opposed like the NFL where they're hidden behind that helmet. Uh, it, it's it's a, it's a player driven league, and they are out there in the communities. They reach out to the fans here, and we had pointed out how quick they are when they're on that anti Trump bandwagon these guys are out there they are the voice of the people you know they they go far beyond what's happening on the court they are they are the voice of the people they are the righteous oh but as we pointed out last week they are making mega bucks and we are talking mega bucks from those deals in china and we we figured they'd be singing a different tune here yeah i i do find it hilarious that going back to january 15th 2018 lebron's Put up, put up on his Twitter. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Our lives begin to end the day that we become silent about things that matter. Unless it affects my wallet. Oh, I added in that last part. 
Yeah, unless it's a reflection against my sneaker sales, I am here to fight injustice. Uh, thank you, LeBron. Everybody has seen your hypocrisy now. And we talked about this last week, you know, how they should handle this thing. And we were kind of anticipating when are the players going to kind of step forward here. Uh, but we threw out there, you know, that we thought they, they shouldn't. And this is exactly why. This should have been handled directly from the league's PR source here. Uh, this is a major dumpster fire that they have to put out here because we are talking significant changes financially to the entire structure of this league, to television networks, to apparel, to other products and sponsors. Uh, this is, There's a major, major trickle-down effect uh, just sim- simply from one tweet. Now, what one thing that I think is kind of going under the radar that I'm curious about, the Houston Rockets owner came out and said, we are not a political organization. So, you know, the, the general manager, Daryl Morey, he, he's just speaking on behalf of himself. We are not a political organization. Okay, well, then I guess my question is, are the San Antonio Spurs a political organization? Are, are the Golden State Warriors a political organization? Because it seems like members of both teams always have something to say when it comes to what's going on with uh, American politics. At what point do we draw the line between a political organization and you know people that have a platform of millions of people that they can voice their political opinions to versus you know an actual political organization? I would like some uh, clarification there. Well, I think what this really brings to the light is you have to be you know, prepared to deal with a backlash and consequences. Uh, obviously, here in the United States of America, we, we stand firmly behind freedom of speech. Uh, I mean, that is so quickly an argument that individuals throw, oh, it's my, it's my right, it's freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. Well, it, yeah, you do have that on this hand. You are, you are exactly right. You have freedom of speech. But on the other side, so do other individuals. And they don't have to like your speech. They don't have to agree with it. They just have to give you a platform to express it. So any kind of backlash you receive from it, you better be prepared for. You know, it's not dish it out and they have to like it and accept it. No, you're going to get it back. And that's exactly what you're getting here from the the country of China. And now they are removing uh, any kind of signs of life that ever represented the NBA there. It, and it's a scary situation um, for, for a lot of these teams. And I mean, I'm not talking about teams like the Los Angeles Lakers or the Golden State Warriors or the San Antonio Spurs. How do you think the Toronto Raptors feel in all of this? How do you think the Memphis Grizzlies feel in all of this? And, you know, the thing that is just outrageous to me is when you look at this statement from LeBron yesterday, yeah, the one thing that he says is, yeah, we do have freedom of speech, but they, other people also have freedom of consequences for that speech, right? Just because we can't throw you in jail for something that you say doesn't mean that there's not going to be consequences for what you say. And LeBron James is feeling those consequences today because he's getting it from all sides and he absolutely deserves it. I'm just I'm wondering how the Memphis Grizzlies feel about this. You know, I'm, I'm wondering how the Charlotte Bobcats, Charlotte Hornets, Charlotte, whatever the hell you want to call them this week, I wonder how they feel about this. Because all those players, they've been thrown onto this fire too. Well, you know, we're talking about, you know, just now the players that are having to deal with this. Uh, obviously, you know, we talked about last week, you know, the impact that they're going to have financially. You know, how you, I mean, if they lose this money, they're going to go back and restructure these deals here. All these incredible max deals that we've seen, they're yeah. going to go out the window. It changes You're- the salary cap. Think, think about this as well. You know, we keep mentioning, you know, how much Nike and Adidas have in here, how much ESPN, ABC, anybody that has TNT, TBS, you know, anybody that has those contracts there. 
hey, how much of this money is keeping the WNBA alive? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the NBA is completely funding that. You've seen owners have to just kind of fold up shop and get out of there. So the NBA, the, the league itself is operating, I, I think, damn near half of those teams because they, they just cannot sustain themselves financially. Speaking of owners, I mean, how many of those individuals that we're talking about, those lower teams uh, in the NBA, as you're talking about a, a Memphis or, you know, anybody, a Denver, Portland, somebody like that, those maybe those those middle to lower teams that now you lose that financial backing, you lose that income. What is the what is the value of your franchise? I mean, do you want to get the hell out? And the question is, how should this even be? being handled because what we didn't see in those clips from LeBron yesterday is what was the question? What was he responding to? You know, because what's going to happen when somebody shoves a microphone in Damian Lillard's face and asks for his comment on this, suddenly he's in a no win situation. You know, all of a sudden somebody wants to ask Giannis what his opinion on, on this entire Hong Kong situation is. He's in a no win situation. No matter what he says, it's not the right thing. Well, and I like how, you know, some of the individuals you're pointing out there are exactly right. I mean, what, what do these, you know, other foreign players have to, you know, what are they going to say, say about this? Well, could it open up some kind of issues between their country and China? Yeah, I mean, the players are just at a, a huge disadvantage here. And it seems like that's what LeBron was really pissed off about. It's not like LeBron James was mad that Daryl Morey put out this tweet. He's mad that he put out this tweet right before they went to China and threw the players into the fucking fire. That's what he's pissed off about. Well, and absolutely. And you can, when you really break it down and, and you kind of read between the lines, um, he does have kind of a point. You know, you've got players going over there. Absolutely. representing this thing. And he is exactly right in that sense that it is timing. Uh, but, you know, really how he presented it and even putting it out there, it, it really shows, you know, what his his MO is. Yep, he you was know, in what, a no-win really situation. And this is another case of, you know, sometimes it's best to say nothing at all. And that's where we should have been here. No comment. Re- re- refer to Adam Silver's office if you want comment. You know? And, you know, and here's one of those other things. But he gets things crucified for that, too, though. He, he would get crucified for not making a comment, too. We saw that with Steve Kerr. Uh, yeah, but still at that point, you're, you're going to have people coming at you on all angles on that. Uh, it's still best just not to give them any ammunition to carry against you. Yeah, I do agree with that. Well, and, and, he, and he obviously, do you, do you have his uh, his rebuttal now that he has put up uh, where, you know, he, he's kind of retracted, uh, just gone a 180 from what he tweeted a few years ago about how it's a responsibility for, you know, people in his position to speak up and, and represent, you know, the masses, if it's sports, if it's politics, uh, he isn't just going to bounce his ball is what he said back then. Right. He's, well, he's come back, he's come out now and, uh, pretty much said, this is the reason we have politicians that we're not that. This is the last thing I'm going to say about this, uh, to kind of paraphrase the, the point that he was making. Let's hope it's the last thing that he says about any politics then, you know, just saying. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Major League Baseball. We saw the Nationals sweep the Cardinals yesterday, reach their franchise's first World Series appearance. And Rick, this thing was over in the first inning. The Nationals jumped all over the Cardinals, seven to nothing in the first inning. The Cardinals couldn't hit their way out of a wet paper bag in this series. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And heck, just not the first inning. I think this thing was over back in game one. You saw such a, a different intensity and fire uh, between these two teams. Obviously, uh, you know, the, the Cardinals left their bats in Atlanta. 
as you know, we've seen them, you know, they, they just lit up the Braves in that finale in that series there. And I guess they ran out of hits because, you know, some of the stats that we've seen here in this series, but, and not to really, you know, to harp on the Cardinals here, we've been talking about this. Who's been on fire? Who had to be at their very best to be at this point? And that is the Washington Nationals. Sanchez, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin combined for 26 and two-third innings and gave up five runs. I mean, you know, and, and this is one of those things kind of like that Houston Astros rotation. You read those names, Sanchez, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. Is it any wonder that the Nationals are in this thing? You know, if, if they can do this, if they can capture a ring, uh, and that's, that's still a pretty hefty task ahead of them, either, you know, to go through New York or Houston. Which They're dogs in either series, series right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think that's what they want. You know, that's where they're the hungriest. You know, they're, they are going to, you know, they want to be put in that position, them against the world. We saw it in the last year. You know, it was do or die. Then it's your, you're going up against the almighty Dodgers. Who can take them down? They have dominated all year. And they stunned the world there. And then to come here with such a, a storied franchise that knows how to play in the playoffs to sweep the Cardinals, uh, this is already just a, an incredible story for them. But I, I was going to throw out at you, if they can do this thing, if they can go all the way, their first trip to Philadelphia next year, they, they should present Bryce Harper with a World Series ring. I mean, how crazy is that, right? You lose arguably the best player in baseball, and now you're going to the World Series. This just this reinforces everything we said at the time that these ten year, multi hundred million dollar contracts are just not worth it. Uh, absolutely, and I think it's great to have those big names. You know, it's all that flash and the and the flair and all that. But hey, this is a hopefully this turns into kind of a blueprint here. It's crazy to think this team was 12 games below 500 in May. You know, it's a long season. It's a long season, my friend. And now they're sitting on the couch and they are watching the ALCS, which is actually going to drag on for another day thanks to the postponement tonight. The Astros lead the Yankees 2 to 1. They take game 3 in New York yesterday 4 to 1 with homers from Jose Altuve as well as Josh Reddick. Not the story though. When you look at this box score, there's one number that stands out. Rick, the Yankees strand nine runners in the first five innings. 16 left on base in these back-to-back losses to the Astros. 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position yesterday. Didi Gregorius by himself, 0 for 4 with five men left on base. The Yankees are getting to these guys. They're just not getting to these guys when it counts. Well, it's they, they've got two thirds of it down. They're getting them on. They're getting them over. They're just not moving them in. And, and it's as you're saying, though. I mean, the bats are active. They're there, but you know, clutch pitching, clutch defense as well. Yep. Just just not getting it all at the right time. But if I'm the Yankees, I I don't feel too awful being down two games to one to Houston at this point. Oh, no. I mean, there's still plenty of ball left to play in this series here. I don't think you're hanging your head. You're, you're just eager to get back out there. Uh, you got to believe, you know, you're looking at this stat line here with the 16 left on. So we've got 0 for 6 in, in scoring position here. It, you got to believe those are going to start falling for you. And, and you, you hope when they 
and you hope when they do that they are plentiful, you know, when it rains, it pours. Yep. And evidently it is pouring in New York today. The game is going to be postponed. Uh, Rick, I feel like this actually favors Houston. I think that was just the tears from Big Ray. That very well could be as well. Because I know the Yankees, we're saying the Yankees aren't panicking, but but I I think Ray, uh, he might be in a bit of a a state of worry. There, there's two types of Yankees fans, right? There's there's me and there's Big Ray Hernandez. Big Ray Hernandez talks as much shit as he possibly can. I keep my fucking mouth shut because I look at this Houston rotation and I was like, ooh, I don't like that come October. And I've been saying that for freaking months. Well, yeah, you know, uh, Big Ray, he's he's got a lot on the line, you know, after he, he tried to convince everyone that uh, I mean, just the, the David and Goliath series last time, you guys overcoming the mighty twins when everyone was counting you out, uh, you know, and, and now you're up against a mountain like the Astros. Oh, man. I mean, Ray, I mean, he's out there in this campaign trail trying to, you know, to rally the troops and make believers out of everybody. Uh, and they're making him look a little foolish right now. Before we jump over to football, there was one other big baseball story. I'm not sure if you caught this one today. Joe Madden. Former manager of the Chicago Cubs, he is going to be making his way to Anaheim to uh, be the manager for the Angels. So the Angels trying to make some waves in that very, very congested L.A. market. Yeah, making some headlines there. Uh, not necessarily sure, you know, uh, sure that I, I that I like the move. I, I guess I don't dislike it. I just don't really know if if it moves the angels, you know, any more in that direction that they're going towards. Oh, I think it absolutely pushes them up. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure that there's a better manager in baseball right now than Joe Madden. Uh, I, I don't, I would, I'd put him in, you know, that upper echelon. But when I looked at the angels here, uh, this goes right back to what we were talking about with Bryce Harper. I mean, the franchise that roster's a mess. That roster is an absolute mess because of overspending in certain situations. Trout and Pujols. I mean, you you need look no further than those two right there. I mean, I mean, that's a third of your payroll. Uh, And you can't do that with two guys, especially that aging Pujols. The thing I don't know, I don't know uh, if the general manager is still there or if Joe is going to be taking over some of those duties, you know, to where he can actually surround himself with his own personnel. But if there's one manager in baseball, I got faith in right now. It's Joe Madden. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some uh, NCAA football. We had a, a couple of people that were very sad. We didn't talk very much college football last week. Well, actually, we didn't talk, talk any at all. But you know, China. Um, so the top twenty-five report: three games this week that were, uh, I, I, I at least thought interesting. South Carolina topples number three Georgia. Rick, does this take the Bulldogs completely out of this thing? They fell all the way to ten in the new poll. I mean. At 10 now, after this awful loss to South Carolina, like even if they went out, is there any hope for them making it into the college football playoff? Uh, I absolutely think, you know, losing to that unranked team, you're, you're probably going to be looking at a battle. Uh, if not, the, how many undefeateds? I mean, we could be looking at probably three undefeateds going into this thing. So at that number four spot, you're going to be looking at a one-loss team. This loss to an unranked at home. Unranked team at home getting stunned like that, I think that's pretty much uh, it's said and done for them. I think that's the death sentence for them. Obviously, here you still have to come out if you're George. You got to bounce back this week. You got to continue to roll on. Uh, I think what really hurts them, I'm going to pull this up here. I believe, you know, what could have been their saving grace uh, is if Florida 
at least could have been competitive against LSU, but no, they go get blown out. Uh, so that I mean that could have been a, a bit of a saving grace there for Georgia, who hooks up with Florida next week. Uh, but now I, I don't even think you know a win there is going to be enough to your resume if you're looking at you know another one loss team in, in the SEC or coming from the Big Twelve I or mean, the Big Ten. There, there's so many Big Ten and SEC teams inside of this top ten, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. Um, they would have to hope for everybody to beat everybody, you know. Uh, absolutely. I mean, they've got they've got three games left against ranked teams, and those are all coming up here for Georgia in the next three weeks. You got at you know at home. Let's see here. I just don't list for that, but you got you got Florida, you got Missouri, and you got Auburn coming up in the next three weeks for them. I mean, absolutely to have any chance, you need to win those three games, close out the the end of the year against Texas A and M. But I even think you've got to win. You know, one maybe two of these in dominant fashion to be back in that conversation when we're talking about you know that top four for the playoff. Big Twelve brought themselves down to one team still in the conversation over the course of the weekend, and that team is Oklahoma. Number six, Oklahoma goes into Texas, takes them down thirty-four to twenty-seven. If Oklahoma was going to get beat, this was probably the best shot at it. Um, Rick, do you think Oklahoma can find their way into this thing? Because I just, I'm not a fan of Big Twelve teams inside of the college football playoff. I think Oklahoma's going to need a little help here. As, as again, we you know we were looking at this thing. We're expecting uh, obviously one or two. We're expecting two SECs. Clemson, if they can go undefeated, the right to defend their championship is likely in there. And then the winner of the Big Ten, <clears throat> Buckeyes, that will probably be that you're, you're four there. But Oklahoma could slide in. You go undefeated, and you hope you really, really hope that there's a shakeup there where the SEC kind of takes each other out of this thing. Where maybe that one loss, or there is, you know, you got an undefeated there. Let's just hypothetically say Bama, and something else happens where you know LSU's on the outside, where you can slide into this picture, or that the Big Ten takes themselves out. Uh, you would hope, you know, Ohio State can beat Wisconsin, and then Ohio State picks up a loss, or you know, one of those two lose in their championship game. They're gonna need a little bit of help so they take care of their own. I think. As you mentioned there, LSU just beats the ever-loving snot out of the Florida Gators. 42-28, to LSU jumps all the way to number two in the country this week. And not like, you know, any either one of us have been saying that LSU is the best team in college football for weeks now. Rick, LSU is the best team in college football. Uh, after that dominant performance, it's hard for me to disagree with you. I'd still like the Buckeyes' chances if they lined up. But, yeah, you can only beat who's in front of you, and they are making it look very impressive uh, at what they're building here in LSU. We've got uh, – let's see here, though. Two weeks is really going to be their test. Uh, Saturday the 26th, November 9th, two back-to-back games. This is going to make or break LSU. This is going to define what they're all about, taking on number 11 – Current number 11, Auburn, and then that following on November 11th or uh, November 9th, Alabama. Isn't there a week off in there? Uh, there is a week, so they do have a break there, but that is their those two games there. Their next two after this week. Good, good on LSU. Scheduling a bye week, so you got two weeks to get ready for Alabama. I like that a lot. Uh, this week, there's only really one game that I thought was a really feature standout game, and that's going to be where you are anyway, the hated Michigan Wolverines at number seven, Penn state. Uh, this is put up or shut up time for Michigan. And I think Penn state is going to whip their ass. 
this is an absolute this is a an absolute statement game for Penn State. We're talking, you know, who's going to emerge from this Big Ten? Right now, you got three contenders in here. You got Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State. You know, you, you got to believe there's only going to be room for one come the big dance. On that flip, there, Michigan right now they they want to be uh, they they want to spoil this thing. They they want to be the you know those those evil stepsisters that are going to ruin one of the you know Cinderella's ball. Uh, and for them right now, but with Harbaugh, it's on a road to redemption for him. I mean, if he can really shake things up and, and steal some seasons from these other teams, it could be what saves you know saves his ass in the end. So the latest top 10 and looking forward a little bit, one through 10, Alabama with 30 first place votes. LSU jumps all the way to two, as I said, with 12 first place votes. Clemson falls to number three with 11 votes. OSU with nine votes. And then rounding out the top 10, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Penn State, Notre Dame, Florida, and Georgia. Uh, Just looking forward. Rick, Alabama, Tennessee, they're going to get past. Arkansas, they're going to get past. And then they run into LSU. So, I mean, there is a very real possibility that either if Alabama just whoops LSU, LSU is going to be out of this thing. If LSU takes down Alabama, does Alabama still stay in that top four? I think they do. I'm going to pull something here just real quick. SEC. I mean, could this be another situation? We've seen this where where Bama Bama could lose this game, be one loss, sitting at that number four seed, not even go to their championship game because that would, you know, is assuming that LSU would be able to hold on to the conference. We've seen this before. Alabama went in, not even making their champion, not even making the conference championship, and won a national championship. Yep. LSU's got Mississippi State and then Auburn. I think that's going to be a hell of a game, as well as Alabama. Clemson looking forward. There's no reason Clemson should lose. I mean, they've got Louisville, Boston College, and Wolford. How do they get to play Wolford this late in the season? That's basically a glamified bye week. O- or uh, Ohio State. Hey, they, they wanted to compete with Bama, so you sit over there and you mimic what Bama does. Yeah. You know, that late in the season, Mecca or whatever they usually put, you know. OSU's next three, Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Maryland. Uh, That Wisconsin game, that's one I've got circled on my calendar because I want to see those two teams throw down. Oklahoma's got West Virginia, Kansas State, and Iowa State. They're going to win out, but they're already on the outside looking in. Wisconsin, of course, Illinois, Ohio State, and, oh, yeah, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, This Iowa team is about as bipolar as you possibly can get, but I think that game is in Madison, so there shouldn't be a whole lot of concern. Penn State, who I think is actually the best team in the Big Ten that I've seen. Michigan, Michigan State, and Minnesota. And then there's those damn bastards from South Bend, Indiana. Rick, I made this comment to you the other night. Number eight, Notre Dame stands a real chance of playing their way back into this thing because all these teams are just going to beat each other up. If Notre Dame can get past Michigan on October 26th, they've got a cakewalk to be right into this conversation, sitting there at like, you know, maybe number five, hoping that, you know, one of these teams gets beaten a championship game and sneak their way in. Well, you know, what's really intriguing to me is so much is centered around how this SEC plays out. I mean, you still have. We're talking about is Georgia out of this thing? Really looking at it now that I'm that I'm staring at how this conference is set up and the potential matchups going forward. 
uh, obviously very embarrassing for them. But I mean, you know, now on their mission, they can get back to that SEC championship game and win that thing somehow. You know, they're going to go into this thing. And, and at that time, at that point, you look at, you know, is the other SEC one loss team? Are they even are they going to be ranked over an undefeated Oklahoma? Uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago, you know, a crazy you're looking at that Clemson schedule. It's nowhere near the strength of schedule that we're talking about. With these other contenders. Could this committee say, OK, you had a great season last year. Everything was tremendous. You guys have kind of fallen off here. We're going to take one of these other teams over you. I mean, all Clemson has done is won every game they've played, and they've fallen from one to three. Absolutely. And again, it goes, I mean, you can only play, you know, who's in front of you, but you have a lot of control about who you put in front of you here. And I know, you know, tied into the ACC, that doesn't really help you. It's, it's a rather down time for them outside of Clemson. But yeah, I mean, as you said, you know, Ideally, yeah, it's nice to be able to get that rest playing a Wolford or something late in the season. But what is that doing for you in in the eyes of this committee? Talking, you know, about the Oklahoma there, if they're undefeated, I could see a committee taking a one-loss SEC, one-loss Big Ten school over them simply on the strength. And well, I think and we, the other thing is, remember, the Big 12 doesn't have a championship game. They're off that week. Yes, uh, so it's easy to be kind of lost. You know, it's one of those, what have you done for me lately sort of deals. And I think that is as well as last year where that really helped a Notre Dame. Uh, essentially going to that national semifinal was the ACC championship game. It was what it should have been. I think with that one loss this year, I think a committee says, you know what, Notre Dame, we gave you your opportunity. We let you live off of this faded fame, this history that everybody likes to present about Notre Dame. But you, you, you crap the bed. We're not going to give you another opportunity. I, I pray that they see it this way because I'm still infuriated that they got that position last year. I didn't think they deserved it, and they went out there and showed it. If they go out on national TV this Saturday night and they whip Michigan's ass, Notre Dame is going to be in this conversation. I can't believe this. I'm going to have to. I, I'm, gonna, I'm going all in for Michigan this week. <laughs> Man from Ohio pulling for Michigan. Let's jump things over to the NFL Week 6 because I'm sure there's a lot of you that want to hear me defend what happened on Monday night as far as the Green Bay Packers are concerned, and I'm going to. Um, But that's not to say that Detroit didn't get screwed. Um, But Detroit still should have won this game, even without that. Uh, The officiating this year has been awful, Rick. We have talked about it a couple of times here on the show. It wasn't just this game. All season, the officiating has been awful. But whenever something like this happens on Monday night, it gets a microscope put on it with everybody watching the same game, and then people get outraged by it. We see the same thing happen if this happens on Thursday night or if this happens on Sunday night when it's the only game on. Detroit got screwed. That sucks. Uh, hey, did you even see where uh, uh, Stafford's wife is even speaking out? She, she's gone. She went to social media claiming that, that Vegas is is dictating that has their thumb on these referees. It is kind of the puppeteers. Uh, you know, every everybody, as you said, though, because of the circumstances, the spotlight, the marquee, everything's going to be taken to that next level. Uh, it's going to be completely, completely, you know, I don't want to say over, over, blown or exposed uh but that is the truth of the situation you're you're in that grand light there the nation the world the eyes are on you there 
has the league come out and said anything? Have they addressed anything on this yet? Yeah, they said they blew the call. You know, it's the same thing that they said to New Orleans last year. And then that one was in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, it was a bad call. Sorry about that. Like, what what do you want them to do? Maybe the NBA should, like, enlist uh, the public relation people from the NFL to handle China. <laughs> but now let's let's get down to something that happened else in this game that I don't think the referees were necessarily responsible for. And when, when you had brought this up to me Monday, you were like, oh, your boys just got handed this game. And I was like, yeah. Did the, did the referees, you know, give Detroit a 13-point lead to start off this game? Did the referees make TJ Hawkinson drop that pass in the end zone that should have been a touchdown? Did the referees cause Detroit to go 3-for-13 on third down, 1-for-3 in the red zone? Did the referees make Detroit on their final six possessions go punt, field goal, field goal, punt, field goal, punt? If you're going to be Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, Wisconsin, you can't be kicking field goals. You got to go down there and get seven goddamn points. This is why the Detroit Lions have never won the NFC North under Matt Stafford in 11 years. Yeah, you go to the stat line. You are the numbers man here. But, you know, and there's a lot more to read into those numbers as well, though, because there, it's, there's timing and situations where penalties are going to take you away from, you know, potential scoring opportunities. And they saw that regularly throughout this game. I'm not one of those individuals that was jumping all over this thing. It didn't didn't completely infuriate me. I wasn't up in arms over this thing. But, you know, watching as a neutral party, you can tell. It's it's a home field advantage. It's a franchise advantage. You're the Green Bay Packers. You are going to get the benefit of a doubt that you're going to get a little favoritism especially opposed to someone like the Detroit Lions, where you've had a franchise history of being subpar and inferior to a franchise like the Packers. It's just, you know that going in. You know you are going to have those knocks against you. It's, and it, that's just, you know, not in life, in football. That's in life. You know, you have to be prepared for things like that. Uh, I think, you know, the biggest, the biggest winner out of this entire thing was the memes. Uh, absolutely, absolutely incredible. Some tremendous stuff out there. Well, and I think the other big winner is Monday Night Football. You know, the the NFL loves it when this shit happens. Because, you know, here it is on Wednesday, and we're still talking about what happened on Monday Night Football. They're absolutely all for that. There's no such thing as bad press. One for three in the red zone. Come on, Detroit. You think you're going to beat Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field? One for three in the red zone. Get the hell out of here. Down go them boys. Dallas goes down to the J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. 24-22. Sam Darnold gave the entire team mono. Amari Cooper was out. Both of their tackles were out for the game. Rick, there seems to be a pattern developing here with Dallas, though. Uh, We saw it with the Jets. We saw it with Green Bay. They're coming out, and they start slow. And that Dallas team, with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott is not a team that is built to come back. This is a team that is built to run downhill. They're built to jump out 13 nothing and then turn around and hand the ball off to Zeke 35 times. Dak Prescott is not going to bring you back in games and win them, even against a team like the New York Football Jets. Well, and here's, here's something else I am completely sick of hearing i don't want to i don't want to hear any more from any team and it seems that you know it's a definite mo from a dallas fan well we didn't have so and so this is you know they've been out of action welcome to the nfl 
I was going to say, give me a break. This is a league riddled with injury right now. Maybe if you didn't spend your entire salary cap on three players, you'd have some depth and you'd have people that could slide into positions and take care of those job assignments where you wouldn't be embarrassed by the lowly J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. This is on you, Dallas. You have mismanaged. You, you have believed in a, a false prophet, if you will, here, and, and it's being exposed. There's a blueprint out there. This is a tremendous copycat league. When it's shown that next team up, they're going to do exactly that. And when it comes to Dallas, you keep them, you keep them at a slow start. You don't let them get excited. You keep them at a minimum of a big plays, and you're going to break their spirit. And, and now we're seeing that down to a three and three. Is Jason Garrett on the hot seat? I think absolutely. You know, when you're in Dallas, I think you're always on the hot seat. Well, that's valid. But I think Jason Garrett's an interesting case. Uh, and I, I just learned this last night. I can't believe that this is going so understated. This is the last year of his contract. Jason Garrett has to be re-signed by Jerry Jones. Like, Jerry Jones can get rid of Jason Garrett. He doesn't have to fire him. He just doesn't offer him another contract. I, I You know, it's a manager we were just talking about with Maddox up in Chicago. That's what they, you know, they did. It wasn't firing. It's just, we're, we're just letting this thing expire. And we're going to go our separate ways here. And maybe maybe that's how they get out of this thing. You know what? I, I gave you the, the, your, the life of your contract here. You had opportunity after opportunity. Thank you for your service. You're always going to be appreciated by this franchise. Because any, because with Jerry Jones too, I mean, it, it kind of gives him an out where he's not that obvious bad guy again, or you know that reputation. Uh, he's just you know he'll, he'll slit your throat, you know, just at any cost, just to win, baby, win. So maybe that's what they go here. Okay, thanks, man. We're going to go in a different direction here. And when you look around the league, and especially inside of the NFC. If the Cowboys finish nine and seven, I don't think they make the playoffs because I think only one team from the NFC East is getting in. And it's going to be the team that wins this weekend because Dallas plays Philly this weekend. Both teams three and three. Yeah, you know, so, so much on the line uh, inside this division. You know, they're, they're beating each other up. Uh, looking at the schedule. You know, the Giants are playing a damn near last play schedule. I think they could make some noise to potentially move up into the thing. They're only sitting a game back and, you know, they're, they're kind of hungry. And it's not that I think that they're overly talented. I just look at their schedule. I think it favors. Well, yeah, but you, like the whole talk of like Danny Dimes. So that's really, you know, falling off. Uh, Minshew's falling off over there in Jacksonville. You know, like it, it, it's t- the men are starting to stand up. You know, now that we're getting some tape on some of these rookie quarterbacks, you don't hear people talking about them nearly as much, except for Kyler Murray, who's just a freaking freak. You get uh, you know a few of these others are settling in. They're settling in themselves. You know, the excitement is starting to fade. Now they're taking care of some business. As I said, I don't think I don't think that any of these teams are overly talented. I, I, you know, in if things fall for for the Giants, they could be. I don't think they're going to get over. They're going to claim this thing, but they could be making some noise come late in the season. Uh, I absolutely think if we're talking talent wise. In Philadelphia, this is theirs. This is theirs to run away with, uh, especially, especially. And you know, I was saying, talking about the injuries, don't make it an excuse. But when you are at full strength, when you've got all your weapons firing, I think the, the Eagles are a dangerous team in this division. I think they're a dangerous team, but like that secondary got embarrassed by Kirk Cousins this week. I mean, how good are you when you get embarrassed by Kirk Cousins? 
you know, for, for a majority of these teams, it's a bend, don't break, and you're going to have games like that. The NFC North, that's the one that's very interesting because all those teams are at 500 or better. Detroit's 2-2-1, two, two, and one, and they're in fourth place right now. That's, that's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, Russell Wilson, all by himself, beat the Cleveland Browns 32-28. to 28. Uh, Baker Mayfield, well, he had a little bit to do with that. Three interceptions in this game. Rick, in 40 games at Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield threw 21 interceptions. In 20 games in Cleveland, he's already thrown 25. That's an insane stat to me. And it looks... Right, this, go ahead. This obviously just falls on... This is the responsibility of coaching. This falls on their shoulders. You're, you're asking too much from a sophomore quarterback. You've got stars around him here. It, he's not getting a whole lot of time in. I mean, he's scrambling for his life. They can't do anything under center here. Everything's got to be from the gun because they're an absolute train wreck up on the line. But, you know, you've got other stars around him. You've got, other, you've got a tremendous backfield. And that's what we see, you know, when they dominated Baltimore. It was because they did it on the ground. They, they controlled the clock. They controlled the ground game. That's the formula. And then you have Baker step in at, at times when he needs to to make that with that incredible arm of his to make that big throw. That's what you absolutely need. It, he's asking, they're, they're asking him to do too much as a sophomore, and it is coming back to bite them in the ass. OBJ had 11 targets in this game, six receptions, 101 yards, and they lose. Uh, Chubb had like 120 yards rushing in this game, and they lose. Uh, you, you, just, you can't turn over the ball three times. You can't, you can't give up three interceptions to the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson will find a way to beat you. Uh, the good news for the Cleveland Browns, they're not going to get beat this week because they have a bye week. The bad news for the Cleveland Browns, their next game's against the Patriots. Get ready to shock the world, baby. Okay, now, now, now here's the real question. If the Patriots embarrass the Cleveland Browns, all right, let, let, let's say that they beat them by three touchdowns after having two weeks to prepare for them. Is that the end of Freddie Kitchens? It's an interesting, it's an interesting question. And it's kind of perplexing in Cleveland because of all the coaching changes that they've made, you know, over the years to be so quick on the draw. That's the thing. Uh, I, I think I, I think you start I think you start the conversation. You seriously do. Because and what as you want to say, stay away from that, you know, give give someone an opportunity to to truly gel this team, but is he the right choice? I mean, he wasn't that sexy of a pick at the, at, from the beginning. It didn't really wow people. Uh, he, and sometimes maybe someone of that mindset he didn't make great a tremendous coach, tremendous coach, great and all that. But is he is he a truly a, a manager of big personalities? You know, to relate this thing to like basketball, where you, as we were saying, he's, you do have these tremendous star power, these big personalities. What Phil Jackson was known for wasn't that he was necessarily great with X's and O's. It was because, you know, the Zen, Zen master knew how to bring together all these larger than life personalities that under anyone else might have been, you know, strangling each other. There'd been a royal rumble about, you know, I think of, you know, what he had to employ there to keep Pippen and Jordan from killing each other at times. Yeah, all, all you had to do was add Dennis Rodman. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting conversation because I'm with you. Like, I hate to see Cleveland fire their coach, but he was such a weird hire 
at the time that you could have had Mike McCarthy and you went with Freddie Kitchens. What's interesting about, you know, right now, the situation is how much, you know, how much of that leash are you letting him run with? You're worried that this whole thing might blow up in your face that you brought in all this, you know, specialty position star power. You got all this hype and excitement around you. How much before that just blow, you know, just explodes on you? Uh, and you want to be able to, you know, pull that in here. Russell Wilson for MVP. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and cast my ballot. At this point in the season, Russell Wilson, 1,704 yards, 14 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 72.5% completion percentage. Russell Wilson's playing out of his goddamn mind. You know, as much as we talk about, you know, these teams that have overspent on quarterbacks, we can't believe it and how it's backfiring on them. This is a case where it's absolutely worked. They, they've made the investment. And I think it even speaks to as we talk about the top coaches inside this league. Pete Carroll's right up there. Oh, yeah. Agreed. And they surrounded Russell with a bunch of like real young, like rookie wide receivers that he has just clicked with. On, on that list, so they're not paying any of those guys. They're just paying Russell. You yeah, and you and you know what that all comes down to. I mean, it's it's in coaching and it's in your recruiting, your scouting department to realize the personalities, the type of players that are going to come in and immediately click with Russell, as you said, and you're not missing a beat. You know, and that's one of those great risks you take when you're bringing in anybody new that you're introducing to the new atmosphere. This is you know top to bottom, the Seahawks are just a, a class top notch franchise. Uh, it's, you know. it's it's the we same thing with Belichick. It's the same thing with Belichick. Is there anybody better than Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll when it comes to drafting guys in the fifth round that turn out to be just absolute studs? Yeah, I have to agree. You know, we can we can call Seattle, New England, West. Basically, I, I do want to talk to you, I do want to talk to you about another West. How about Schittsburg West? Did you catch that game? Did you catch that crowd? Man, I. I don't know what the hell is going. I actually read a rumor that uh, there there was a rumor that St. Louis was offered the Chargers. Did you see that? Uh, yes, no. That actually, I, outside of a rumor, I think that was you know that was headlines when they were talking about these moves. They, they wanted to keep football there, but you know it was just the powers that be, the people with the stroke, with you know with writing the checks. They, they wanted those big franchises in L.A., uh, but to absolutely – the Steelers travel well, but I have ne- I've never seen anything like that. There was it more Steelers like, fans than there was Chargers fans. Now, this rumor, I'm not sure if it actually happened, but I had seen uh, a story where they had actually played over the PA system, the Steelers rally song. Yeah, because uh, one of the Chargers players was Pissed. I saw that maybe he said something on social media. I just didn't investigate it enough to see if it was really true. But man, Schittsburg West. But you know, my here's my theory on this thing because anywhere you go, there's there's Steeler fans everywhere. I mean, they're like cockroaches. Right? You just can't get rid of them, and they turn up where you least expect them. Where you don't want them, they're they're an annoyance. They're disgusting, just individuals. But you know what? It really comes down to. You know why they're everywhere? in every corner of the globe is because Pittsburgh itself is such a shithole that all the people left. It was so bad that even they realized it and get, had to get the hell out of there. But they, for some whatever reason, it's, it's the same reason that you know us proud, true Americans, us great Americans, that why we're so opposed to this illegal immigration movement 
because these people don't want to simulate to, to our society. They want to pick up our ways. And that's what you got with these scumbags from Pittsburgh when they moved to other cities. They still think their ways. They, for some reason, they want to put all their all their shit on the sandwich, their coleslaw, their fries, their meats. Like they got somewhere to be. They ain't got time to sit down and eat properly. So we got their panani sandwiches. We got their, their terrible Pittsburgh fucking gear everywhere. What we what these politicians really should be focusing on, we should build a wall around Pittsburgh to keep keep these scumbags caged up. Thank you, Zeb Coulter. Uh, let's talk about Kansas City before we get into the games of the week. Uh, Houston hands Kansas City their second straight home loss, 31-24. Uh, right, Kansas City is just baffling to me. Um, we made the comment when Detroit played Kansas City that Detroit gave everybody the blueprint of how to beat Kansas City, and we have seen it followed to a T the last two weeks. Time of possession in this game, 39 minutes and 48 seconds for Houston, 20 minutes and 12 seconds for the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes can't beat you if he's not on the field. Deshaun Watson goes for 280 yards. He also goes 10 rushes for 42 yards. Um... They gave up 192 yards on the ground, 5.3 yards per carry that Kansas City defense couldn't get to Deshaun Watson at all. We all kind of laughed at Houston when they started sending all kinds of draft picks out and they come back with a left tackle in Laramie Tunsil. Well, you know what? All of a sudden, Deshaun Watson is 7-1 and one when he's sacked once or not at all in a game. You give him some time and he will just pick you apart. But it helps when the Kansas City defense can't stop anything running on the ground. 5.3 yards per carry, Huckleberry? No wonder these teams are just blowing them up on the time of possession. That defense isn't that good to begin with, and you're going to keep them on the field for 40 minutes? Hey, you, you keep the defense gassed. They're going to they're going to break. They're going to break on you. As you said, keep that offense off the field. My biggest concern is even when that offense is out there, Mahomes is injured. Yep. It, it is it is more obvious each and every week. Damn, damn near more obvious each and every series. They need to get to their bye week. They need to try to get him healthy or try to get up in a game. They got Denver this week. This would be an opportunity for them. Come out strong. Get yourself up so you can pull him out. I know you don't want to mess with his stat line. That gets into his bonuses, things like that. You want to keep him favorable towards that MVP. But there's bigger, there's, there's more at play here than you know what we've got here. You've got to get him right, especially going late into this year because, as you said there, Jargo, the blueprint is out there. These teams have exposed you, and now they know how to beat you. So here's a crazy idea. Do you sit Patrick Mahomes this week? That's the Thursday game, Kansas City at Denver. Do they need Patrick Mahomes to beat the Denver Broncos? I absolutely, you know, as I just said, I would have it in my in my system. Let's get out here fast. Let's get a, a, a good start here on Denver and pull him. Yeah, I mean, on a short week like this, I almost wonder if you're not just better off just sitting Patrick Mahomes. And see what the hell happens. Because, I mean, you're still one game up in the division on the Raiders. Right. And it's I mean, it's not a powerhouse division. You should be able to run away with this thing. Although the Raiders have been very surprising. They are a good football team. Don't want to sleep on them. Uh, but this still is handedly your division. So you better you better start taking care of them. Because as we get down to this road, you know, it's not 
about getting to the playoffs because you're, you're pretty certain you're going to you're going to be there. So you got to be ready for the playoffs. You got to be playoff ready. You want to be in a position where you you got that bye week. You know, you're hosting games or you got the bye week because uh, obviously you know you're hoping for a, a repeat. Your destiny is a repeat with with the Patriots there in that AFC Championship game. Looking at the schedule here, you got at Denver. At least the next two are at home. It's two two very tough opponents: Green Bay and Minnesota. Yeah. And, and those are two strong defenses. That's also, you're looking at Adam Jones and Delvin Cook, two teams that are running the football very effectively, and the Kansas City defense can't get off the damn field. I don't know. Dark times in Kansas Let's City, see here. man. Hey, and, you know, I'm you know I'm talking about a bye week. They don't go on bye until week 12. So Ouch. they've got a lot of football between then and there. I mean, it's nice to have that late one to get rested for that run. Uh, but if you're looking at this team and you're looking at at Mahomes and how you know he's holding up there, that ankle does not look good at all. Nope, we called that when it was injured. Um, in addition to uh, the other games of the week, Chiefs Broncos Thursday night, Houston at Indianapolis. I'm looking forward to that one. Colts favored in that game plus two. Rick, that 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 might have to be one of the stone cold locks. I think I might have to go with Houston in that one. Yeah, I'm kind of looking through here, trying to remind myself of, of who I have, but I, I think I've got a couple stretches. Last week, I didn't do so well. Uh, 0 for 2 last week, dropping back in the standings. Uh, and I guess hey, as we're leading into the picks here, we're talking about these big games to put over the hashtag HTM Sports uh, NFL Pick'em Challenge. Look at you, buddy, standing at the top. You and uh, Singleton tied up at 59, I think. Let me pull it 97.7% up 97.7% in the Pick'ems. You betcha. Uh, yes, you, you and Matt Singleton sitting there at 59, correct. You got Big Scotty. You got Seth Kennedy uh, right behind you in that in that two of in the three spot because of the tiebreaker situation there. What fifty eight? Oh, man, I, I, I'm struggling. I'm falling behind here. I'm at fifty four. I, I got to find some of those big upsets. I got to get my locks in so I can get back in this thing. But my favorite thing though to follow here is the uh, the story of Tommy Wonder and and his his struggle trying you know to get over the hump to just make the screenshot. Uh, he he took one himself earlier today and finagled it some way to get himself in there. Uh, that's not the case, buddy. Uh, we're going to be releasing their standings a little bit later on this evening. Vikings at Lions. That's a, a, a real interesting one to me as well, Rick, because Vegas actually has this thing. Vikings plus one in Detroit. Does that surprise you? Uh, absolutely. But hey. Jeffrey's wife shouldn't have been running her mouth. Vegas really has it out for you now. That fix is in. Plus one. Kirk Cousins on the road in Detroit. Yeah, that's... What, was the, what was the football movie where, uh, where they had like the blind referee? <laughs> oh, uh, Necessary Roughness? Wasn't it that what? movie? Is it, is it that one? Is that where... Uh... Oh, man, it was like what a comedy one, though. Right? Yeah, unnecessary roughness was a copy spot. And the quarterback just dropped back and hit him in the nuts with the ball. <laughs> I think the referee, was the referee any dick? I think so. I think so. Oh, I can picture him, too. I can picture him with the stick and the glasses on. Other uh, watchable game this week. And, and this one intrigues me greatly. And I, I think Vegas is doing too much crack cocaine. Saints at Bears. And they have the Bears at home by three and a half. Teddy Two Gloves hasn't been beaten yet as the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. But they got him laying three and a half to the Bears? 
it's it's incredible, you know, what Vegas knows and how accurate they can be on these things. I thought that would have been uh, essentially a, a pick, uh, but they did give them the, the three for the home field advantage. Uh, the Bears are still getting respect here, I think, because we're talking about still. You've been all over this thing. They're playing a first first place schedule, uh, and almost you know their game plan has been exposed. You know their how they were winning, uh, and that got exposed early, and they've been struggling in some games. Uh, if Teddy Two Gloves just keeps winning, at what point do we start talking about is Drew Brees going to get his job back? Never, never. It, it's Drew freaking Brees. I don't know, man. Teddy Two Gloves. It's looking pretty good. So let's throw it over to the Stone Cold Locks. Hit me with it, Steve. Huckleberry, yeah, yeah. I'm going real basic this week. I'm just going to take the Houston Texans because I like them to win straight up against the Indianapolis Colts. And I'm going to take the Saints. I'm going with the Saints over the Bears in Chicago this week. I don't believe in... And Mitchell Trubisky whatsoever. Supposedly he's going to be back this week. But Teddy Two Gloves, that's my dude. Very, very nice. I'm looking here. Got to get back on track. Got to get back on track. I need some big wins. So I'm going up to uh, upstate New York to, to Buffalo. I've still got them on the on the clock. Uh, they are hosting Miami. Always a, a safe bet. It's a good one. Uh Keeping, keep, keeping it alive, keeping the dream alive for December 22nd, the O for Bowl. Dolphins hosting the Bengals, keeping the dream alive there. Also, don't look now, but the Buffalo Bills have the second best record in the AFC right behind the first place New England Patriots. Uh, and I also, uh, I'm going to like a team that's uh, is at home hosting a West Coast team that we were talking about. What uh, was very embarrassed, just not by the, the treatment from you know their fan base, but on the field as well. I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans over the LA Chargers. Man, that who, who's going to be the quarterback for the Titans? Is it going to be Mariota or is it going to be Tannehill? I think you know that's a big question here. Do you go with maybe like a, a two back system? Oh, there you go. They might as well do something because that franchise is a mess. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's edition of HTM Sports. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Find the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. Search Hitting the Marks on your favorite podcast listening device. Also, be sure that you visit us over at Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo, RBV. How do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you. Well, I just want to say, you know, here in Cincinnati, Taco Week rolls on. Going with a, a Thursday taco tour tomorrow. Going to, you know, pick out the steam again. So I'll be posting those all over. So make sure you're, you're tuned in to anything and everywhere. Rick Vickery across all social media platforms at the Real RBV. We'll have your full roster WWE roster depth charts this weekend on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to it, too. So we will talk to you this weekend over at HittingTheMarks.com for now. You know, hold on. Hold on. What? We're out of time. We're out of time. We didn't get to break this thing down. Maybe we should do like a, a, a special weekend edition. Oh, the finally XFL draft. I, I guess we, we could talk a little bit about it uh, on Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast because I just want to compare which draft is worse. Yeah, they they were both pretty awful. Uh, I, I do I do have a favorite player in the XFL. It's from the Dallas Renegades offensive tackle, Willie Beaver. God bless the Beavers. We're off like a prom dress.
See ya.